We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet inside the five to the end zone. Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. Back to the War Podcast on Blue Wire. It's John Ellis, Billy Marshall, busy doings in Carolina, Senior Bowl talk, and all that. We're going to get to that, but uh, first, I guess we'll we'll tackle the quarterback situation around the league uh, right now. Billy Marshall, how you doing, buddy? Good to talk to you. And what do you make of all that's going down around the league with these quarterbacks? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, I think it was two years ago to this date we had the big blockbuster trade of Alex Smith going to Washington. And on the same day, it looks like Matt Stafford will be heading to the Los Angeles Rams while Jared Goff goes to the Detroit Lions. So, you know, it's the NFL, man. There's never a day off, 365 days a year. No, there's there's no days off. Like like Belichick says, no no days off. We're here to give you some analysis on that front, guys. And we've had a few questions here on on Twitter. We'll get to, but I guess we'll start. I guess with what happened last night, Billy. As we record this on a Sunday, uh, Matthew Stafford has been traded to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for Jared Goff. There were some draft picks swapped there as well. Uh, the the Rams get Goff's contract uh, off their hands in exchange. They get a, a very capable quarterback quarterback on the flip side of 30 but who can make the throws that I think you and I both agree golf simply can't make at times where, where what's your assessment I guess we'll start with uh with this trade for those two teams and then we'll dive into the Carolina angle sure so it, it does seem like the 
um, the, the trade was essentially a first and a third for Matt Stafford, and then they had to add another first rounder um, to get off Jared Goff's contract. Um, you know, for me, I think you and I might see this very similarly. I like Matt Stafford. I think he's a kind of underrated quarterback in some respects. Um, I just felt like this, even the first and the third, I felt like that's a little too much right. uh, to give up for Stafford. But at the same time, um, the Rams have a team that is currently built to win. They are not like Carolina where they have holes in certain areas. The Rams have demonstrated throughout um, the Sean McVay tenure that they can find lower round draft picks and undrafted free agents in the draft and turn them into contributors. Um, Carolina's new regime has not demonstrated that yet. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But for me, I just felt like the Rams had to find an upgrade in some capacity for golf. They didn't have a first rounder, so they probably weren't going to be able to afford Deshaun Watson if he's even going to be traded. Um, Sam Darnold, I don't really think he presents that much of an upgrade. I think Stafford is was clearly the best option, and it does seem like some reporting said that you know Stafford and his family do have the um, they have some homes i think in california and i think stanford wanted to go play for mcveigh so i think there could have been uh, better offers out there but i think the rams and the lions because the lions new general manager came from the la front office uh, because of their kind of uh, relationship that helped um kind of those two teams kind of work it out and i mean hey it works out and i think this also i think a lot of people when they heard the news originally that stafford was going to be traded that you know detroit was definitely going to take a qb i'm not so sure anymore i think i'm i think this makes it likely that detroit's going to ro- roll the season with uh, jared goff and see how he does and then if they don't do well then they're positioned for a top qb in 2022 uh, because they gave dan campbell a big deal six years so i don't think they're really rushing anything but they're biting kneecaps and getting ready for some football with Dan Campbell. Uh, fascinating hire. I mean, that, and they're they're building a, a pretty, uh, you know, unique staff. I guess you know Anthony Lynn and, and Deuce Staley. It's, it's sort of an old school power football type of staff they're building. They do there. deserve credit for hiring minority coordinators. They absolutely do. No, I, I was going to get to that. I think it's fantastic. Well, you know, compared to what Philadelphia has been doing for years. I mean, it's it's a it's a contrast. So yeah, no doubt. And Deuce and, and Anthony both deserve a shot. So it's great. Um, I'll, I'll say this too, you know, about this particular trade for both teams. We're going to get to the Carolina angle on this, obviously, because that's what folks really care about. I'm sure here, but uh, I, I think golf. You know, you're, you're right. I mean, they probably will roll with them, and the, it, it does change the dynamics of the draft. But I just think, you know, Jared, over the years, you know, I, you've made this observation. You, you pointed it out, you know, I think last year about golf. And you were right. I mean, it, it's he's just – it just didn't seem like a sustainable quarterback for what McVay wanted. Now, they draft – actually, they didn't draft him. Jeff Fisher did, but they, they inherited him. And I just think Stafford in the short term, you know, Albert Breer's reporting had mentioned, you know, Carolina is a possibility, but there was that caveat that he did want to go back to California and it it worked out in that direction. So I I think they'll get a quarterback who obviously can make more throws, can do more things dynamically vertically. And I think golf gets into a situation where he's out of a situation. It sounds like that, that wasn't that great with his coach. And obviously that, Mm -hmm. I don't pin that on McVay so much. I just think his production wasn't too great. And, do you think Goff is is a quarterback who can thrive in Detroit? Do you think he's got an opportunity to do well there? What do they have to do to get him on the right track? Or is it just a matter of what we've seen on tape is who he is? 
Yeah, I just think he is who he is. And I think the situation and the environment around golf um, the past several years in L.A. just really allowed him to produce at a level that he will not be able to produce on an offense um, that was really just kind of masked all of his weaknesses. Um, And this has been a thing I've been saying for a couple of years. I think just think people get caught up too much in the production and they just kind of forget um, what a player is supposed to be doing. It's the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. You have, you know, same situation exactly because two of brilliant offensive minds and Shanahan and McVay, um, but they are in some ways our offenses are limited uh, because of the quarterback. So for me, I think the, the lions are doing the right thing here. I mean, you have, Jared Goff's contract, I don't really know if that limits you, but uh, it, it seems like they're just going to let this play out in one way or the other. They're going to see if Jared's a guy. Um, obviously, I have my doubts, and because the Lions don't have the infrastructure um, from a schematic and personnel standpoint, I'm just not sure You know, he's going to be able to kind of overcome his weaknesses. Yeah, feels like a clunky fit in a lot of ways when I look at right. it. Um, and I think there, there's some of that relevant to Carolina with Bridgewater. I don't want to comp the two players because I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do that. But I think, you know, it's the same type of mindset with Bridgewater for many people, mm-hmm. you know, on, on a broad level that, you know, hey, he's won some games in New Orleans. He, he produced some pretty good numbers, some output. But if you put on the tape and see what the limitations are, it, it, it does stick out. And I, I think golf has some of that with his game as well. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously it's, it's a trade that changes the dynamics of the draft potentially with, with Detroit right there. <laughs> You know, they were positioned, obviously, for an opportunity to draft a quarterback. Now, now, as far as Carolina goes here, let's, I guess, dive into their end of this. Obviously, Stafford was somebody who they aggressively, it sounds like, were in pursuit of. They, they were one of several teams mentioned, so obviously they had interest. Do you think they were ever really legitimately going to pull the trigger on this? Or do you think it's just a signal that, hey, you know, we, we're – we're shopping for a quarterback. So we want to get that out there and let you guys know, where do you think Carolina is right now in this quarterback sweepstakes, Billy, just your gut feeling. Yeah. I mean, it it certainly sounds like they're involved. I'm, you know, personally, I'm, I'm relieved that they didn't give up the eighth overall pick for Matt Stafford. And that's something against him, by the way, I want to add that. I'm, I'm also happy about that. (laughs) I, I mean, as frustrating as Bridgewater can be, and he is certainly, if that's a cost, I'd rather just go another year with Bridgewater. And and that kind of just, you know, I understand that they want to be involved in all these deals and they want to look for an upgrade. And it looks like they tried to, but at the same time, you have to do some self-reflection yourself. I don't think Matt Stafford comes in here and makes this team a playoff contender. They're probably like a seven to eight win team at best if he was here. And, and that's no knock against them. Again, I just feel like, you're looking at our financial situation from a cap standpoint and our draft picks and assets, if you're giving that up, I mean, you certainly have to win next year. And that just puts a ton of pressure on this organization to um, really just find ways to, you know, better the roster, which they should be doing regardless, but there's opportunities elsewhere instead of just, you know, putting all your chips on the table for um, a short-term solution because I, I just feel like that's what it is, and I don't like it. I, I'd rather just – this is probably going to be the last year they're getting a top-10 pick, so you know, use it wisely. Just go take a quarterback and have him compete with Bridgewater. We know Bridgewater's contract is kind of prohibitive um, as far as you know, cutting him, so just keep – I 
we've made it very clear about our uh, frustrations with Bridgewater throughout the season. Uh, but at the same time, I do feel like the opportunity cost of keeping Bridgewater versus uh, trading him and giving up the number eight overall pick for Matt Stafford is not something that was in Carolina's best interest. And I would have been very, very, very annoyed if they did that. So uh, I'm glad that the Rams did that instead because it saves Carolina from making a very bad decision. Yeah, you're, you're making a good point here. Sometimes you rely on other teams to step in and sort of be the white knight for you to save you from yourself. But I think this is a good example of that. I don't hate Stafford. In fact, I love the guy. I just think we get into that conversation again. The same principle they had on Cam Newton being on the plus side of 30, having injury concerns. Stafford's even more on that plus side of 30. And obviously he can do some things with his arm that Cam probably can't at this point. But, again, you're getting to that. that my, my brother put it best, I think, to me. We talked about it. He said it, it would feel impulsive. And I, I just think that cuts against what Carolina's blueprint was all along here. Uh, but, you know, they're obviously putting their name out there as an interested party in all this. So, And the same goes for Deshaun Watson, Billy. I mean, let's, let's talk about that for just a moment. We're not going to beat a dead horse on it because, obviously, mm-hmm. we, we don't have all the facts. Um, sure. We know what we know. But Watson, obviously, is, is – not happy with the Texans. It's mostly the owner from what I understand. And I think you're in probably in agreement with that. I think the whole world probably is at this point. Uh, what, what, where is the Deshaun Watson stuff with the Panthers with you right now? Where do you stand on that? Um, I don't know. I, there, there's so many different reports and different outlets reporting different things that it's it's just hard for me to kind of keep up with it. And that's no knock on the reporters. I'm sure that they have their own intel um, that they're hearing. But what I heard yesterday, Albert Breer did that little periscope at halftime, and that's where we obviously heard about the interest of Carolina and Matt Stafford. But he also mentioned, I believe, that San Francisco and Miami were Deshaun Watson's top two choices. Um, and so that, that obviously makes sense. I mean, those two have really good organizations. Um, I, I think we're hearing Carolina's interest, which I do believe is genuine, uh, but I'm a little skeptical that they can pull it off. Right. And I think I'm not sure about, you know, someone sent me something about Deshaun not wanting to come here because of Cam Newton's release. I don't know anything about that. Um, I'm I'm not saying that that report is wrong. It could certainly be right. Um, but for me, it's more about does this team have the assets to pull off this trade? I think that's the biggest thing. I, I, I don't know point. if they do. Yeah, I, I made the same point yesterday, Billy. The, the, I, I have no idea if Deshaun is, is tied up in the Cam Newton stuff and where, where that is. I, I'll leave that there because obviously that's reporting that's sourced and we'll see what happens with that. But I, I think it's not unfair to ask that question because the, the Newton left obviously feeling very aggrieved about the situation. He's right. got a lot of guys in the league that look up to him, so there's that. But I think the more important factor here, like you said, is compensation. What Carolina? It's it's a crowded marketplace right now, Billy, in this Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And the Jets have the capital. They have the location that Watson reportedly prefers, as well as Miami in mm-hmm. the same boat. And now Tua, you know, I heard Lee Steinberg talking about, oh, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna touch, uh, you know, Tua's not been informed of any of this. That's agent talk, I and mean, I'm not putting anything into that. Obviously, they're not sold on Tua. I don't think because of what happened last year. I mean, they put Fitzpatrick in at the end of the year, so. It'll be interesting. I, I think it's it's fun fodder. I mean, you know, we're you get into a, a part of the year here where typically 
you know, for Carolina over the years, it's been kind of slow pickings and slim pickings and not a lot to talk about. The last two off seasons, at least we've had some stuff to talk about. So um, there's, there's definitely something to monitor there. It's, yeah, make help me make sense of the trade compensation, though. I mean, I, I've seen some reports, Billy, that there you you can't trade a certain amount of first round picks consecutively. Is that what I'm looking at here? Well, no. So, like the NBA, you can't trade a first round pick in consecutive years, and what that means is, let's say, you know, the James Harden trade, the the Nets cannot trade a 22, 2021 first round pick and a 2022. So they had to make a 2021, 2023, 2025. That's called a step in role in the NBA, generally speaking. The NFL, you can trade first round picks in consecutive years, but you can't trade out f- more than three years down the line. So there's a, that's what I meant. There's a limitation to the number of years you can. So yeah, 2023 there. is the furthest you could trade a first round pick. Well, if if that's the case, that obviously, you know, does have a little bit of impact on how the formula works here. And I just look at Carolina's roster, Billy, and I I don't think Bridgewater is an enticing asset for, for Houston. I I mean, I've seen Barnwell put that out there and that that, that's, I I like Barnwell a lot. I just don't know if that formula would work at this point. I don't know if last night affected the compensation package, but I just think it's it's going to take a mind-blowing amount of compensation to land him. I think he's probably worth it, but, I mean, they just need to be prepared. Under Fans need to be prepared. I've seen some laughable scenarios out there, Billy. You know, like, I wouldn't give up more than three first-rounders. Yeah, you better get your mind right for that. You're going to have to give up a lot. Yeah, and, and I don't know. Again, you and I are just kind of speculating here. Obviously, I would do it, but will the Carolina Panthers do it? That's the question. And more importantly, will the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson accept yeah, that's that's the bottom line. You no, know, we don't. They're they're talking about wanting to keep him, and you know, there's all sorts of possibilities here. I don't think that happens, but you know, they're it, they're, it they're sort of in a weird situation too. They they've got to put their you know put their mind to this and, and come up with a plan that works for them because they have not been very smart lately. So they got to get this one right. Yeah, and no, it, it does feel like a situation that. It could just they they just could have this stalemate going into the off season, and by that I mean after the draft. I, I just feel like this is a situation where it's going to have, um, you know, both parties in this case, Deshaun and the Texans, just standing each other off. And you know, the Texans I, again. I'm not trying to defend them, but they have leverage on their side of the aisle too. Um, they certainly shouldn't trade him if they don't want to. Uh, but I, I just feel like we're heading towards a situation where this will not be resolved until potentially the training camp or even into next season. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. You know, there's, a, there's a lot of, of stuff to uncover here before we can speak definitively on anything. But it's it's fun following some of the reports out there. You know, obviously it's some some high drama, and, and you know, we will, we'll keep an eye on it for you guys. So Okay, so um, – I, I do want to hit the draft with you for, for just a second, just your thoughts, and then we're going to do some senior bowl analysis with you. Where, where do you think Carolina can strike at, at number eight with, with quarterback? And if it's not quarterback, Billy, where, where do you think they might go? Could they trade back? Do you think they might trade up or they stand pat and hope Lance is there? Where are you at with, with Carolina at number eight as we sit here right now in uh, late January? Yeah, I think as we move closer and closer to the draft, it just seems like that number eight pick will be used on a quarterback in some way or fashion, whether that's, um, you know, potentially on Deshaun Watson, which doesn't seem as likely, or if it's on one of these 
quarterbacks here in the draft. And I just feel like, you know, this trade that occurred yesterday really puts Carolina in a um, in a bind. Now, again, like I mentioned, it, it felt like Detroit was going to take a quarterback after the Stafford trade, but now that golf is there, I feel like they're going to use this one year as an opportunity to evaluate him and maybe draft a quarterback in day two or three. Um, so, But I feel like that pick right there in front of Carolina is really enticing because that will force a team picking, um, you know, beneath Carolina uh, to trade up into that spot, which yeah. is right in front of them. So what the Panthers need to do is if they really want a quarterback, you have to go trade up. Now, I I believe that the Dolphins will not trade to it. I also believe that the Jets will probably not trade Darnold. Okay. So you have two opportunities. You can trade up to two or three. And it's going to be expensive no matter what you think. Right. Um, but those, I mean, you have two opportunities to really strike while the iron is hot. And, uh, you know, if, if they, again, I'm, I'm not opposed to this. I, you know, some people are going to find this take crazy because we've ripped a guy in the show, but I am not opposed to rolling another season with Bridgewater. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not either. I, I obviously they're going to find competition one way or the other, if it's a free agent or if it's like a day two quarterback, like maybe yeah. Mac Jones or Calamond, um, that's fine too. But I am not opposed to trading back, picking up a couple day two picks um, and just trying to continue to build this team. You know, they, they made their bed with Teddy. That's the thing. I mean, it's, it's fascinating that they're, they're in pursuit. The marking conditions have changed. Obviously, Watson wasn't available this time last year. So that's going to get people's attention. But if, they, if they're seriously in a position where they're, you know, they're just not in a, a position to trade up, yeah, I kind of agree with you. You know, let Bridgewater play out the rest of this contract. And we've been hard on him, but we've been fair, too. And when it's been good, it's been good. When it's been not good, it's it's been clear. So maybe McCaffrey coming back, maybe you build a better, you know, unit around him that you can get to a, a more sustainable, you know, model offensively. Joe Brady's coming back. It's your two in that system. I just think they, they need to they need to step carefully here. Obviously, if you trade up for a quarterback, too, here's something I would like to get your opinion on. The You know, the compensation difference between trading for Watson or trading up to number two, I don't know how – I don't know how vast that gap is going to be. I know the Watson stuff is going to be outrageous in terms of compensation, but you know it's going to cost a fortune, too, to move up top three, Billy. So I just – I don't know if at that point, you know, a 25-year-old Watson isn't a better option than than Zach Wilson or, or Justin Fields. Oh, no, totally. And I 1,000% agree with that. It's the other factors involved with the Watson deal that involve will Houston actually fold their hand and – does Deshaun Watson want to come here because the no trade clause kind of looms large. Sure. And in my understanding, again, is there, there's no reason to believe he wouldn't, but I've also seen reporting that that conflicts with that. So we'll see where that, that ends up. So yeah. Um, the senior bowl. I mean, that, that ties into this discussion as well, because you've been all over this coverage. I know you have some thoughts on some of the guys that stood out this week. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll start there. What did you make of this uh, 2021 senior bowl? I was entertained by it personally. I loved it. Yeah, the game itself was kind of whatever. I was kind of a little bored watching the game, um, if I'm being completely honest, especially because the practices were, you know, both coaching staffs, they really brought the juice in both practices. They really That's kind the of, part I really loved, yeah. Yeah, yeah Flores' staff was, you know, very – they were really closely 
attention to detail, but they still kind of really made sure that um, they brought the energy while Matt Rule obviously has experience um, coaching these guys. So he understood how to connect with them too. Um, so for me, yeah, it was a great week just in general. I love this event. Um, it's the first step in the draft process and it's probably going to be the only step um, because of what we're dealing with uh, in 2021 with the pandemic. So there's not going to be a combine. There's going to be pro days, but those obviously aren't going to be um, broadcasted on a national scale like the Senior Bowl was. And, I, you know, I, I discovered a lot more talent than um, I had previously went into. I, I was really impressed with some of the players who were there and kind of a little, little disappointed in some areas too. But, you know, for me, this event and just moving forward, I, I kind of want to focus on the players who really stood out, what players I feel like – have traits to become difference makers at the next level? Well, I, I saw a few that stood out to me. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but I thought Amari Rogers had a fantastic showing at the receiver position. Um, I, I hate that we didn't get to see Mac Jones play. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of conversation about where he is, but I guess, you know, from your perspective, who are those standouts? Who are some guys that can be transcended players from the senior bowl? Yeah, so I'll start with the offense first. I don't think any of these guys are going to be transcendent necessarily. When I think of transcendent, I mean like a, a top five draft pick who can really just elevate your program. Um, but no, there's certainly going to be players here who I feel like you're going to get a good NFL player. Maybe not on day one, but um, the beauty of the draft is you take as many shots as you can on day two and day three to really f- figure out – you know, what guys are going to fit your program. So um, starting with the quarterback, yeah, Mac Jones certainly played the best out of anyone, but I do want to give a special shout out to Kellen Mond, who played pretty well yesterday. Um, During the week, he was kind of iffy, but, um, you know, I just felt like Jones, uh, he did everything that we wanted him to see, uh, and and that's his game. His game is very reminiscent of a Jimmy Garoppolo where he's going to, you know, quickly identify his first read and he's going to get back there, and he throws with pretty good anticipation. Uh, But the arm strength is not going to wow you. The the ability to create out of structure is not there. He does not have the mobility. Um, But I just felt like the discourse around him was a little too wild uh, and by that i mean watching the espn broadcast i know what you're getting to here todd mcshay just went out of his way to consistently like hype up this guy it was crazy but then it's like he was tearing the bag or something he's like pocket he's like he got he got he got his envelope of cash and just went out he was hyping him man i was like what really todd so you know what's funny about that is i was listening to um bucky books and bucky brooks and janel jeremiah who are with the nfl network and the way they discussed mac jones was completely different than you know how mcshay mcshay was acting like this guy's like a transcendent number one overall pick type player and Bucky and Jeremiah were like let's slow down he's played well in this event but we're still not sure if he's a first round draft pick and that's how I feel too like there's always this this is just a broader conversation whenever you like a player especially in the draft some people take it to like like an, an, an elevated level to the hype where it's just like absurd I just felt like that way about Mac Jones but like I said, I thought he played well, but uh, I mean, some of the well, conversation also, discourse around him was a little bit too much yeah, for liking. That, I'm, that, sorry to interrupt, Billy. That that can also really skew a lot of the fan perspective out there too. So it's 
you know, not that it's a, an analyst's responsibility to, to manage expectations, but to a certain degree, you want to provide analysis that's that's fair. And I, I just, you know, I, I like Todd, but man, I, I just thought some of his some of his um, perspective on 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 Mac was a little too a little too tidy, a little too nice. <laughs> yeah, um, and we're going to continue to harp on that. I mean, again, I think Mac Jones is a perfect like second round option for this team. They should uh, absolutely not be taking him in the top 10. Um, no team should, if I'm being completely honest. You think he's a first rounder at this point? Um, maybe if you're trading up into the back end of the first round, sure. Okay. Just so you have that fifth year option. But as far as top 10, I just, I mean, I really think if Trey Lance, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson were at this event, you know, they would do the same thing, if not much, much better. Billy, what has what Matt Rule talked about at the quarterback position? Athleticism, right? I mean, and that's just yeah. something I think that you've made this point. I know I've, I've made it as well. That, that's something this team desperately needs at this point. I think the guys in that top end of that first round all provide that in a much more clear, focused capacity than, than what you see with Jones. I just I think you're getting a, a much better athlete with, with any of these guys that could be available. But and I don't know honestly with with Mac. I mean, he could go to New England. Who knows? He could go top fifteen. He could go back of the first round. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah, I agree. Some of the hyperbole out there about that Mac was a little bit overcooked. Yeah, we, we shall see how that goes. Anybody else stand out to you from this week? Uh, anybody that you think Carolina might have an eye on? I, I don't know. And Matt Rule was there. Uh, it's hard to pick up. On yeah, this. for sure. So I think Carolina pulls away from this week so i'm, I'm just going to go through some of my players um of the week made it a, a, a list of 11 players from each position on offense and defense um, going through running back michael carter no surprise i mean a lot of local fans panther fans know of him yep. um he had a terrific season at unc but you know he did what he was supposed to here at this event i mean he ran with really good balance he um his routes were terrific when he was uh, running routes and again i don't really care about the one-on-ones versus linebackers because the linebackers already heard of pretty big disadvantage but just the way he is fluid um with his cuts and his, how he uses his um you know head fakes as a line of scrimmage to really create separation that was very encouraging to see and that's what you want out of running back these days you want the ability to um not only be a difference maker in the running game but also the passing game now i do think he probably should clean up and um, work on his technique as a pass blocker but um i don't really think anyone really stood out from that perspective on the running back side now going to the offensive line first guy that really stood out to me was uh the north dakota state uh, left tackle dylan radunes yeah i liked him too bill he looked great he was terrific and you know this event i love it when the senior bowl brings in these small school players because these guys they don't really get the national attention that the other guys would like maybe the alex leatherwood or Keontae brown but for me radunes i mean you just look at how he was able to um anchor he was staying low in his movements he had bent knees flexible hips he did everything you want out of a a left tackle prospect and i think that was really encouraging i'm not sure where he's projected to go at this point but i i expect to have a a pretty solid grade on him uh, based on what i saw this week and looking at some of the guards that impressed me the east carolina staying local again uh smith he's a little short um but he did play some tackle and he lined up at guard and i thought he was terrific he really had a powerful punch that um you know kind of really stood out to me he was 
always effective in his movements. Didn't really waste any um, steps when he was throwing out his punches. Uh, center, uh, Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma. This is a guy who came from a blue blood program. Um, a lot of eyes on him this week. And yeah, he really impressed. I, I just thought that he did what he had to do to um, solidify himself as maybe one of the best center prospects in this class. And then uh, just around with the offensive line, I have uh, Quinn Miners, the guard from oh he was a hoot man that was that was entertaining television watch him this week yeah i mean you you saw him come out with you know his jersey like halfway and then hog molly baby he he was he was getting after and i think a guy like him a lot of people said his 2019 tape didn't look good and he didn't play last year because they didn't play division three football um so this it was very encouraging to see him play well um receivers i agree with you amari rogers i mean what what else can you say about him i mean he, I think, he should... know, there's some curtis samuel in him there's also some sterling shepherd in him too I, I like the frame i got to see him up close to clemson obviously so it's a little bit of bias there but i really like his versatility he's a really good player yeah, th- this is a team that most likely will be looking for a wide receiver. And I feel like Rodgers fits that description to a T. So I really hope they c- consider him um, you know, day two of the draft or potentially even a second round, like I said. Um, a couple other receivers, Desmond Fitzpatrick. He played really well in the game yesterday. Uh, he had a couple drops, which um, to me, the drop discourse, we'll get into it. You know, later this offseason, I feel like it's a little overrated. Um, but no, his ability to kind of separate, he had strong hands. Uh, he's very competitive at the catch point. I thought he played really well. Real quick, uh, Patrick, right out of the gate, had a great catch, a pro level catch where he got both feet in on the on the boundary. And I, I was really impressed by that. Yeah, yeah he, he had a really um, encouraging week. I didn't really know much about him, but he played well. Kind of forces me to go back and watch him again. Um, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, a little old, t- 24 years old, but um, I watched this tape before the week and I was really intrigued. And th- this guy really didn't disappoint. I mean, he, uh, again, similar to Amari Rogers, where he was just getting open all the time. But I think the thing that really surprised me is just his foot speed and the quickness off the line of scrimmage to create separation. Um, and, you know, you watch this tape too, he does a really good job of um, once he catches the ball, he's off and he's running and he does a really good job of creating yards after the catch. Yeah. Um, the one tight end who stood out to me was Noah Gray from Duke. Uh, Yaboa had a pretty solid week too, but you know, Noah Gray was is your more traditional tight end, the guy who lines up on line of scrimmage. His blocking was okay, not great, um, but I, I felt like he really kind of used his frame well to make some impressive catches. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you back to the offensive line. You brought up Dylan Radunes and and you know Paul Alexander, who I I love his work by the way. Former O line coach. He he's on moving the chains with Jim and Pat on Sirius and uh, Paul. Excellent follow. He's all oh, Paul is one of the best. I love interacting with him. I know you you feel the same way. And he he had the same opinion I think in a lot of ways of, of Radunes that that you did in terms of the one on ones, the pass pro on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He mentioned in a tweet how exceptional he was. I didn't get to see as much of the practice stuff. I saw a lot of your clips, but again, I, that's encouraging when hearing Paul. He talked about Aaron Banks as well. Um, you know, another guy. He's a massive man with a thud, great movement, shut down with power. And then he also brought up Creed Humphrey to your point. So I think you know, yeah, you're you're in good company there with your assessment. I, I think Carolina has an opportunity there. You know, in in whatever capacity they can do it to, to eyeball some guys that can help them up front because let's just face it billy they got to get better there absolutely yeah the, the two notre dame players robert hainsey and aaron banks had a pretty um solid weeks as well so i want to give them a special shout out now, moving over to defense uh you know carolina might not be picking 
every single using every single draft pick on a defender this year. But let's go all offense this time. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, but regardless, uh, defense edge rushers really weren't that impressive to me this week. Um, but uh, you know, Quincy Roche, he looked good in the one on ones. I mean, he, he's more of your um, you know pass rushing nickel. Um, r- pass rusher you're not going to have him on the field in first and second down but he can really uh, make a difference as a speed rusher on pass rushing downs uh, he's a guy from miami uh and then ellerson smith northern iowa he had a good week he, he really just really showed off his versatility but he was uh, tremendously you know impressive at the other parts of the game such as run defense and by that i mean um you watch the game yesterday there's a reverse coming to his side he just stays in his gap he doesn't bite on anything he stays patient he's able to tackle murray rogers for a four-yard loss which looked like yeah. a potential like 20-yard gain right. uh, but really good job defensive tackles i was impressed with the wake forces carlos boogie basham um you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen a few clips of him throughout the week, and I'm sure you also saw that Wake Forest, another good player. Um, he, he was just consistently winning really strong, heavy hands. Um, you know, the way he's able to use his power and his quickness at the line of scrimmage was really impressive to me. Um, and I think he, he would be a really good fit for Carolina at the five-technique position, which is a, one of their big ends at the line of scrimmage if they're playing the three down front. Um, so I, I would certainly keep him in mind for you know, potential day two selection. Uh, Cameron Sample, Tulane, another player very similar to um, Basham. He might not have the refined moves at this stage of his career, but uh, you know, for me, again, the quickness and his ability to get off blocks and um, really win, you know, within two or three seconds, you know, against offensive linemen really stood out, and um, I was impressed with him. You know, a position that Carolina could be interested in, depending on which part of the draft is linebacker. Um, a couple that really played well was Jabril Cox. LSU linebacker. Uh, I mean, you look at the, the his range and his ability and pass coverage was really impressive, especially on those. A lot of things, teams. really. I liked him a lot. Yeah, no, he he had the eye recognition. He stayed low in the stances. He understood where the routes were coming, and he just really used his uh, length really well to disrupt the catch point. And um, you know, the other linebacker is more of a kind of a strong end, Baron Browning. Um, he he's a similar type player to a Kyle Van Noy, uh, how they use him up in uh, down in Miami. Uh, he's really strong at the point of attack, so he can set an edge and um, really help the other backers and uh, defenders come in and fill on the run. So um, didn't really see too much from him in the past game, but I, I felt like he's uh, you know your traditional strong side backer who could help. Uh, and finally, let's close out the secondary. Um, three corners really stood out to me this week. I'm going to go with Keith Taylor from Washington. Uh, I mean, I was just really impressed with this guy throughout the week. I mean, he, he – just everything about him was just fantastic. I didn't, I really did not see him get burnt too much. Now, yes, he did give up that touchdown yesterday uh, to Josh Palmer, but that was a little bit of a difficult uh, play for him because it's an RPO. And he kind of just... That interception, by the way, with, on the tip ball, was he the one in coverage on the boundary there on that pick? I believe so. Yes, that's correct. And he was plastering that receiver. I know the the safety. I believe is the one who ended up with the pick. But he was he was outstanding at times in coverage. I thought. No, you're you're totally right. Yeah, he he was great, and um, I was impressed with him throughout the week. Um, e Efetu Melifonwu from Syracuse. I love that kid. He is arguably one of my favorite, and I'll get to my favorite defender in a minute, but um, this guy, I mean, he was amazing. I mean, he had multiple pass breakups and uh, throughout the one-on-ones, I mean, even during the 
game he played well. He showed his tackling, his ability to you know, come downhill, stay square, and then really make a play. Um, I mean, it's just his footwork and just everything about him. It's, it's really good. He's got the um, football pedigree, too. I think his brother played in the Yeah, league. his brother Obi was a high draft pick from UConn. Didn't really pan out in the league, yeah. um, but he was a super athletic guy coming out. And I think he was just raw, and I think it wasn't the right um, – maybe he just didn't, really didn't put it all together. But I feel like it, his brother – he fit to um i feel like he's much more polished as a player uh and then the last corner i want to point out is benjamin st just from minnesota um a pretty good week uh, especially during the end of the week i didn't really see much of him on tuesday uh, but wednesday thursday and in the game i mean he, he really showed out his strength as a uh, past defender he, he's mechanically sound he uses length really well to disrupt the catch point and just stay in phase within the hip pocket the entire time. Uh, yeah. Good week for him. He is Canadian. Um, so similar hey, I'm, all, to, I'm, I'm part Canadian. I'm all for it. Eh? Yeah. Similar to, uh, you know, the guy from uh, Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, and, and he's six foot 200. I mean, he's, he's got size too. I know that's something you look at it with these corners. You want to have some size there. So. Yeah. And supposedly like they, they look for corners who have size. So, um, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, so my favorite player of the entire week and a player that I think Carolina fans should have their eyes firmly squared on is UCF safety, Richie Grant. Um, this was a guy that Matt rule. I know people will look to the Matt rule quotes about you know, Mac Jones or whatever, but Matt rule went out of his way to say that Richie Grant is was one of the best players that he coached this week. And he said he would love to coach him. He said, I'm just looking at some quotes here from Joe person. Um, he said, if there's a guy I'd like to coach, it'd be UCF safety. Um, Richie Grant and Matt rule, I believe called him a football guy. Uh, but regardless of how rule feels about him, my own opinion is I have a very like high opinion of this guy after watching him this week. Uh, just everything he did was just fantastic. He had two interceptions in the team uh, portion on, Thursday. I mean, he, I, I just, I don't know what else to say about him. He displays the range. He has the play speed. He has the ball skills. Like what else do you want from a safety? Um, I would be kind of surprised if he did kind of, if he wasn't a first rounder at this point, I mean, he just did everything you have to from. Well, his, his production has been outstanding. He's got 10 interceptions in his, his four years at UCF, six foot one ninety four. Um, last season, he had uh, you know two forced fumbles as well. So I mean, he's he's not just a guy who measures well, Billy. He's produced for four years. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, the final safety is uh, Hamza Nasserladin uh, from Florida State. He really reminds me of um, yeah. I, I, I made this comparison um, the other day, but he really reminds me of the San Francisco uh, 49ers safety uh, whiskey tart. Yes, Jaquiski Tart. I made that I comparison. That I always remember that name, Jaquiski Tart. And it, it just everything about him. I mean, he he was very solid. He's not going to be like Richie Grant. Like he's not going to have the range as him. Um, but I feel like he he's similar in in some respects to Tart, where he can line up in the box against tight ends. You can trust him. Um, you know, when running backs are going out in the backfield and kind of making a play and sticking in face with them. And you also can trust them reliably as a tackler in the box. And then sometimes if you want to rotate him up high, um, you know, you know, a single high or two shell, uh, you could do that too. So he really showed off his versatility. He has a really cool story as well. And obviously he had the, uh, he had a very devastating injury in 2019, but he came back and played the final two games in 2020. So he gets healthy and he played really well this week. So um, 
Yeah, good week. And, and I'll just top it off. I just saw this quote. It looks like Matt Rule was impressed with three players this week. It was um, obviously you mentioned Richie Grant. No surprise. Another player that shouldn't be a surprise was Amari Rogers, and then Quincy Roche, the edge rusher from Miami. Um, so just keep those players in mind. Maybe Carolina will take one. Uh, but this event, I felt like Carolina did really well um, to coach it, and hopefully they can grab a couple of these prospects. Great stuff, Billy, as always. Uh, Billy M slash – or Billy M underscore 91. Go to his Twitter. A great collection, of, a buffet, as I call it, of clips from the week. And uh, you can get some really good insight from Billy. Just uh, outstanding analysis. So go to the mailbag here. We have a few questions. Just something new we're doing here. Uh, Chris Lisson, this question's for you, Billy. Thoughts on BPA strategy? If everybody's focused on quarterback, um, but take BPA, go from there, maybe a top O lineman. What's your general philosophy on BPA for Carolina this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I discussed it earlier. We just feel like maybe this roster isn't, um, you know, at the level of other teams. So, and they're only in their second year of the rebuild. You don't have to rush anything. Um, I think you can continue to. Um, go through the process, find talent, develop them. And then maybe like, you know, by year three, you should be competing for the playoffs as we, we we've said many times, but yeah, I have no problem with them rolling it back with Bridgewater and going for a BPA strategy. I have none at all. Obviously they feel differently given that they're, you know, part of these high stakes quarterback uh, trades. So we'll see. And on every deal as Scott said, so expect a lot of uh, chat. How do you feel about that? I mean, I, I think at this point you you have to be careful about reaching. I mean, this is you're you're trying to. I, I did say this last week with, with everything regarding what the owner had said. I would put an asterisk beside it before the Scott Fitterer hire. I Meaning, going back before Fitter was brought on board, I, I would I would take everything with a grain of salt in terms of a long term model building. You know, over three four years, I don't think it takes that long to put together a winner. They were close last year in a lot of games, so I think it, it, it's a catch twenty two though. If you if you mortgage your future now you better be damn sure you're getting somebody like a watson who can be transcendent because i'm not sure if anybody beyond trevor lawrence instantly gives you that but at the same time there's also a, a, a ton of players as you've highlighted not only from a senior bowl perspective but just in general that would give them instant value at positions they they need so i we'll just have to see how it goes i don't know it's it's going to be a fun draft no doubt with the combine not being around it makes it that much more fascinating because you just don't get that last glimpse at, at everybody, you know, in terms of measurables, athletic skills, all that. So we'll see. Um, here's a question for you, Billy. Evan Elliott chimes in. Uh, I think we kind of touched on this earlier. If, if Carolina can't land Watson, what are some other quarterbacks you expect them to target? Either the draft or free agency. Is there anybody out there that you'd look at? I mean, you and I, we had this conversation on Twitter. Jameis is one. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if Carolina will be interested in him. Doesn't seem like a Matt Rule type of guy for some reason. I don't know. I, just I mean, who knows? I mean, they. I, I really like Jameis, and I, I understand that he has his uh, his issues as a quarterback. But I mean, that's one. I don't know though. What else? I don't really feel like guys like Dalton no. or Fitzpatrick or Tyrod are upgrades. You're in the same Maybe Fitzpatrick boat. is, but again, he's 39 years old. Yeah, he's old. He's my age. I mean, that's not. You can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I. I certainly don't think Mitch would feel like a real bad Band-Aid. That would that would really feel like a bad one. I don't know. I like Fitz. Okay, I brought this up with Josh Norris. I, don't laugh at me, okay? If it was a one-year ten, if it was a one-year ten million dollar deal for Mitch Trubisky, would you take it? 
Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, Mitch, I think is. Uh, I don't know, Bill. I have to give that some thought. One year, ten million—that's not bad. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if it's a competition between him and Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you get the athleticism there. I mean, I don't know. It's <laughs> Ted, Teddy's got that cap number too. I just keep coming back to that. It would it would cost them, I think, a lot if it doesn't come down to swapping him out as an asset. You know, in terms of one of these trades, which I still don't. I think, think you can you can probably get like a fifth rounder for Teddy. Yeah, you got one for Kyle Allen, so that's reasonable. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that was a unique situation, but yeah. Well, but no, I gotta look I, at the free agent market a little more. I think J- to me, Jameis. I, I just look at what Joe Brady and Matt value in terms of the quarterback, and I, I just don't know if if I don't know if they're ready to take that on because Jameis can make all the throws, but I think he's you know he's got that propensity to turn it over, and um, yeah. I think they're they're just real sticklers about that, maybe to a fault. I don't know. No, for sure. I, I mean, outside of that, from the free agent market there really isn't anyone else who kind of excites me a trade market again i don't think Darnold gets traded but even if he did i don't really think that he would be worth um what some people are projecting i mean maybe if it was like a third rounder i'd do it for Darnold, but that's like the highest i'd go um outside of that i don't really know who else is available in the market i mean you have guys like Minshew. maybe i don't know i don't really think he's better than bridgewater I don't think so. I don't think marginally better. I mean, it, it, maybe you can nitpick a few things here or there, but I don't think you're getting that transcendent upgrade that you're looking for. And I don't know, just it is, it's a fascinating thing. Scott Fitterer has a, a philosophy. We talked with Doug Farr about this from USA Today. Doug had been very well connected with the Seattle front office and understands those dynamics. And there's a certain philosophy he brings to this uh, job. I really like that hire, by the way. I think they did a good job going through the due diligence, going through all the candidates, getting a lot of good intel from a lot of good minds there. And I, I don't know, it, it felt like a last minute thing with Fitterer, but at the end of the day, I think they got the guy that can, that can build a good team moving forward. I, I just, I guess your final thoughts on where Carolina stands from a front office perspective, from a structure perspective, it's been a year, Billy, we've had a year to kind of get past some of the, the hiccups. Now we're into year two. How do you think Carolina stands moving forward? Yeah. I mean, we had this conversation thing a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I mean, I, I have no reason not to think Scott Fitter is good at his job until uh, you know complete transactions and involved with uh, deals and see his draft philosophy. So for me, yeah, I mean the, the process was fine. Uh, I, I do think there's going to be some other additions to the front office here in a couple of weeks based on some reporting I've I've read from Albert Breer and I think a few others have mentioned it. I think Joe Person also said so. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think the GM was the only component that Carolina really needed to revamp their entire front office um, oh, yeah. structure should have been um, you know, gone through this type of rebuild. So uh, it, let's hope that there's going to be some new faces in uh, their scouting and their uh, personnel department. We'll, uh, we'll re-up some of those pods for you guys. I'll retweet those out from Joe Person, Doug Farrar, and then your, your roundtable discussion was fascinating too, just from a global perspective on uh, all the GMs out there that were available. But, uh, yeah, this is a great talk, Billy. Any final thoughts before we uh, dismiss class here? Yeah, no, not, not really. We're going to continue to you know, bring as many prospects um, discussions into this now that the draft is on and uh, free it looks like Carolina's going to be busy from an off-season perspective. But, uh, you know, the draft is something I really enjoy covering. No question. It's going to be a fun one. Billy Marshall enjoyed it as always. I'm John Ellis. Thanks, guys, for joining us on the Roar Podcast. Uh, and thanks for making January our best month. We uh, hit record numbers from our end. So thank you all for, for subscribing to listen. Keep passing the word around. Billy Marshall, John Ellis, right here on Blue Wire. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.